0: Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.
1: Hey, do you want to go to the Sugar Pine 7 live show for free? No. All you have to do is search Let's Get Haunted in the Apple Podcasts app and leave us a review. That's right. We're on iTunes now. No. At the end of your review, make sure you include the hashtag, hashtag Let's Get Sugar, to count as a contest entry. We will be raffling off a free ticket to three winners total. Thank you for your support, and good luck. Winners will be announced Sunday, April 7th. And now, back to your regularly scheduled episode. Welcome welcome to to Let's Get Haunted Haunted with your hosts, Nat Strawn and Allie Terry. We are back for episode five. Live in the studio. We're being very responsible. We're actually recording this episode early. Yeah, like we're like
2: something's happening. Something's in the air. Yeah, I was looking at the Alien Alien. I was looking at Alien Con today <laughs> uh-huh. to, just to see what it like even was. Did you see William
1: Shatner is hosting William it? William Shatner's <laughs> going to be there. And then also I'm the so excited. the dude from the ancient alien I know. meme. No. I want a picture with him and I want us to turn it into a meme and I want it to just say aliens. And they had this thing called like the Cosmic Pass which was like
2: $600 and it like guarantees that you get to do autographs and yeah, pictures. but that- Nobody do that
1: I do not want that 600 is too much for anything that's twice as much as a general Coachella pass and that you get to see at least over 100 bands for sure there's aliens at Coachella yeah 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 also guys trying to figure out what our culture is about one of the first viral videos i remember is a guy trying to put his shoe on at coachella yes he's trying to put the sandal on and everyone's just watching him and he's been doing it for like 15 minutes and he can't get it it's on. just
2: so wholesome <laughs> the second thing that i thought of when i saw the alien con thing is that everyone there that's talking about aliens is white i started thinking about it and put no actual research into this but <laughs> i'm just gonna present this thought out right now is aliens like claiming to be claiming to be abducted by aliens like a white, a white thing?
1: thing i don't know i know that when i was researching the travis walton case so i came across some stuff about native americans having seen like lights in the area and stuff but it was about it wasn't necessarily about aliens it was more like we see these weird lights in the sky we don't know what it is is it some sort of like god but nothing about anyone being abducted
2: I mean, I can't think of anyone who's not white right now. Who said they were abducted.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. What is that? Wait. Are the aliens
2: racist? White privilege is getting picked up by the aliens.
1: Oh, my God.
2: White people are just like, oh, this is fine if I go on the news. Like, (laughs) nothing bad is going to happen to me. Yeah,
1: nothing that bad. No one's going to (laughs) throw me in the insane asylum or anything.
2: I won't lose my job. Yeah.
1: I'm fine. (laughs) That's a good point, too. There's not,
2: like, a hit out on me right now.
1: (laughs) If you guys are not white and have seen aliens tell us right right now in the soundcloud comments i've been in the discord lately Ooh, and what did you see on the discord people who aren't white and girls who saw aliens they i mean
2: i don't know i'm just saying (laughs) we've we've got diversity up in here and speaking
1: of diversity uh i got real triggered because somebody commented on our instagram and said that you were a white girl in blackface (gasps) i was thinking about that in the shower today and i was like why did you not let me
2: see that so what what happened was is Alyssa put up a picture of us from back in college everyone's like i do not recognize natalia because first of all i'm like a thousand shades darker and i have i was brown triggering. hair i am triggered but what people need to understand is like of course i stopped going in the sun because <laughs> i don't want to get wrinkles i'm getting older that was eight years ago people
1: i just get triggered and i wanted to nip that in the bud because i was like i'm not gonna have somebody who, who like said i was in blackface yeah it, i don't know if they were joking or not doesn't really matter to me i deleted it i was on one that oh, day where yeah. i was just like no negativity needs to be in my immediate sphere and i commented back and i was just like look Natalia is biracial, but she doesn't owe you an explanation to her ethnicity. And so enjoy your fucking block.
2: That I remember that. And <laughs> yeah. that poor person literally just commented mm-hmm. something like, wow, Nat looks really damn No, you
1: know what that person said? Sorry, I just screamed into the mic. I apologize. I'm getting worked up. I'm triggered. <laughs> that person said oh so did you change races or something and i just i had just seen the blackface comment and i was just already triggered and i was like i just i'm gonna fucking block this person Well, you got
2: triggered for me because i would have just been like wow people are talking about me let me give a little heart to this nope
1: don't care i was like i don't want someone to stumble across this podcast and then think that one of our members of the podcast (laughs) is just like super racist not not in this climate guys First of all, not in any climate, but (laughs) especially
2: not in this climate. (laughs) I don't think that's going to age well. No,
1: not at all. I was triggered. And then you texted me, and you were like, "You're triggered." And yeah, I, was like, I
2: know. Well, because I could see you responding in real time. I would get a notification that somebody commented, and then I would see it was like gone when I tried to look at it, yep. and instead it was just <laughs> a paragraph yeah. from you. Enjoy your block. I was a list of the moderator now of like. Instagram. I couldn't.
1: I couldn't handle it. It was. It was a day, and yeah. I just had too many to go through, <laughs> and I was like, no. I'm going to stop this right now.
2: If anyone's upset that I'm not in blackface and that I actually <laughs> was just tan, should we start over?
1: No. <laughs> okay. I think we're fine. The only other announcements that I have are we have a logo now, if you guys didn't yes. notice. Give us your feedback. Tell us what you like about it. Don't tell us what you don't like about it. because You'll get th- blocked. You'll get blocked. <laughs> <laughs> you can nicely give suggestions about anything ever. But if you say something that triggers me,
2: <laughs> you're just like waiting to be triggered. Though
1: ever since I got a Twitter and I've <laughs> seen like the worst of humanity, anytime I see something that's borderline questionable, <laughs> I just am automatically like, "This is the worst person I've I know." Like at any moment that they could have ulterior motives, and I'm just gonna block.
2: Yeah, like you just don't leave it up to chance. Exactly. I think you know, getting triggered is good for us. It like it lets us. I must get burn calories, out. like
1: because <laughs> I don't exercise at all. So I think being triggered,
2: you're literally eating chicken filet
1: right now i know but that's because i i feel like it <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. yeah never mind i got i don't know i just triggering uh burns calories and i'll probably die at a young age because have a brain aneurysm <laughs> Sick. Um, and then the other announcement i have is that because we have a logo we are almost on itunes prior to this episode we did not have a logo and so when i submitted our application to itunes they rejected our application because we didn't have original artwork within a certain number of pixels wow i know uh, very um the one percent yeah i don't know the word i'm looking for very like uh... sorry i
2: don't have a computer (laughs) and i'm just recording (laughs) this with two cups and a wire i love that mental image
1: and then the other thing i have is that the sp7 live show is now sold out it is on April 11th, 2019 in Los Angeles at the Pico Playhouse. Aren't you
2: scared that someone's going to come and kill us because you're... Yes, <laughs>
1: because, because of this podcast. <laughs> because you've been telling everybody about this. If you're planning on killing me... You're going to get hurt. Natalia's mean as hell. And just don't do it. And if you could leave this podcast with any takeaway... Don't, don't kill do us. it. I have so many things left to do. Like, for example... I- get triggered about more things
2: (laughs) wait 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 (laughs) what else do you have to do
1: uh yell about vaccinations (laughs) are you afraid of getting murdered
2: uh I don't wanna invite people to test this theory, but I think if somebody was coming after me, there would be this tribal thing awakened inside of me and I would like hulk out no. mother hen like the whole auditorium and just like, like
1: fight or flight, but you would choose fight.
2: Yeah. You know before Captain America how that like he's like the little skinny guy and he jumps on the grenade and it's like all heroic because he he like had the what do you call that like valor or like he was like brave or whatever i've never seen captain america okay so basically know. it's a skinny dude and he's like a really good guy so they're like oh you're allowed to be captain america now and <laughs> then they put a bunch of Wait, l- is that drugs Chris in him Evans. yeah okay so then he becomes captain america so basically i'm that like i'm gonna jump on the grenade for everyone but instead of jump on the grenade because that's stupid that you're just dying for nothing i'm gonna fucking take the grenade apart
1: Oh, yeah. that would be an interesting. I will
2: rip off limb twist from limb <laughs> of this person who's trying to murder us. Like,
1: What if somebody was going to try to murder you at this uh, live show because they thought you were a white girl in blackface, but now Ooh. because I got triggered and blocked them, they will no longer do that. Oh, I don't know. Then I've just saved your life is what I'm trying to tell you. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm actually very triggered by this <laughs> conversation.
2: <laughs> but yeah, only on my terms.
1: Okay, guys, yeah. So don't try to kill us. Don't do it. And so that's all I have for announcements. Do you have any announcements?
2: Alyssa's my best friend.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Love you. Let's think. I'm ready to tell my story if you're ready to hear it. Is it about fucking aliens? No, this is not an alien story. I made sure.
2: Thank God. I'm getting sick of the stuff that like doesn't have any evidence, you know? Yeah. That's why I liked the gold mine story, even though no one else did, was because (laughs) they actually found gold that couldn't be traced back to a mine. There's something. You know, we're not just going off of someone's word. In fact, it's the opposite. No one will tell us.
1: (laughs) In fact, did it even happen? Mm,
2: Okay, so if it's not aliens, it's ghosts. Yep. It's a
1: ghost story. Hell yeah.
2: I'm excited. Okay, just tell me.
1: Okay, so for this episode, I want to start it a little bit differently than I've started the past two ones. Harmonize. Ooh. Ooh. So I have a question for you. Do you believe in ghosts? Let's start real simple. Just baseline. Do you believe in ghosts? Yes. Okay. Have you ever seen a ghost?
2: I've seen a ghost on a can- like a picture that someone took. Yeah. So
1: like an orb or or like a shadowy figure? They
2: took a picture with their cell phone.
1: Someone you know. Yeah,
2: I was in the car with them. And she pulls up a picture from the funeral. It was her mom's funeral. And we're standing next to the tombstone. And next to the tombstone is a woman in a red dress and pearls. Wait,
1: you showed me this, I think. Or you told me about it yeah, at least.
2: and And uh, she was buried in a red dress and pearls and her face was just blacked out so standing all next to us like uh, you know five or six people yeah I'm getting chills right now thinking about it and then just the face was blacked out and I kept thinking about it that's the only time that I've ever seen Mm -hmm. like for sure this is I can't like just chalk this up to me being nervous or me wanting to believe in something like that was something and yeah yeah so yeah
1: Okay, so this is going to be a really good opener for you then because what we're going to be doing today is a series of ghost tests.
2: Oh god. To see if you I'm are haunted. able
1: to see ghosts or not.
2: I don't think I am because I always want to see the ghosts but they won't come to me because I guess I'm not psychic enough.
1: So, these are actually um, a series of tests that come from Japanese folklore. This Hell entire yeah. episode is a Japanese episode. <gasps> <laughs> I know you're going to enjoy it because you love Japanese. Culture. I'm such a weeb. I'm trying not to like <laughs> weeb out right
2: now and like make a face or something.
1: I obviously do not speak Japanese. I guess I shouldn't say obviously. I know that there are probably some Americans that speak it really well. Um, but I personally do not speak Japanese. I have zero Japanese heritage. And so I apologize if I pronounce things incorrectly. Um, I'm going to do my best. So I personally have never seen a ghost or had a ghostly experience. Like I've been scared before. Like if we we've visited haunted locations together, I've been on um you know ghost walks. I did one on Halloween last year. You twerked on like Tom a, oh. a Tom Riddle's grave. Man, that explains so much <laughs> about why, why I'm so haunted. Yeah, so that was in Scotland. We we wandered a graveyard for like two hours, and then we found Tom Riddle's grave and twerked on it.
2: Yeah, and I know it wasn't like the Harry Potter. Like, that was a real person who died.
1: But he died in the... 1600 so i feel like he enjoyed it like let's, <laughs> let's
2: he was probably like oh, is this person having a stroke yeah like, what is this
1: yeah what is this i'm not familiar <laughs> it's
2: like why doesn't she have moles all over her face yeah, from ew. syphilis she's not good enough uh, for me why
1: doesn't she have leprosy sores uh so i personally have never seen ghosts or had a ghostly experience so when i stumbled across information about ghost tests i was intrigued Ghost tests are basically a way to determine whether or not you are able to see ghosts according to Japanese folklore.
2: No. Ghost tests sounds so legit. Well, Is this I like the SAT of ghosts?
1: I'm doing the English translation of mm. the names because I Don't want to butcher. Okay. Okay. And then before I go any further, I also wanted to shout out a podcast that I came across when reading and researching about ghost tests. The podcast is Toshiden Exploring Japanese Urban Legends. Her name is Tara A. Devlin, and she has a whole episode about ghost tests. And if you end up buying any of her books or listening to her podcast, then let her know that we sent you her way. So... Ghost tests go along with this idea of Raycon, which is a Japanese word meaning sixth sense. It's like levels to a sixth sense. So it's not just black and white. If you pass some of the tests, but not all of them, that could mean that you have a weak Raycon. It doesn't mean that you have no Raycon. And then if you pass none of them, it's most likely you don't have a sixth sense. And if you pass all of them, then it is likely that you do have a sixth sense.
2: This is similar... If you're psychic, your aura is a lantern or a bright light to things that are paranormal and they flock to you because they can see you're able to communicate with them. So they want to communicate with you. And I don't, I just don't, I feel like my light is just not. It's dimming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I think that you, I think you attract ghosts. Sick. Yeah. But I'm we'll just... find out. The other website that I used is called hidingfromjapaneseghosts.com. No. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. That's so specific. I know. That's what it's called. So without further ado, let's begin the first ghost test. I want everyone listening to follow along as best as they can. And Natalia, I'm going to ask you to do these ghost tests with me during the podcast. Okay. So you and the people listening will be doing this at the same time. So test number one. Mm -hmm. This test involves using your imagination. So close your eyes. Okay. Clear your mind and focus. I want you to picture your childhood home. Picture it exactly as you remember it in your mind. If you had more than one childhood home, pick the one that holds the most significance for you. So imagine that you are standing on the street or the sidewalk facing your front door. Look at your front door. Picture the paint color, the doorknob, any windows or plants that might be next to it. Just take it all in. Now I want you to walk up to the door, place your hand on the doorknob, and enter your childhood home. Once inside, close the door behind you and turn around. Look around and take in everything that you see. Remember the floor plan of your house, remember how many stories it is, you are standing in the entryway, your front door is now closed and you're just looking at your house. Now I want you to go around to every window in your house, room by room, and open them, starting with the window closest to the front door. Take note of the order in which you are opening them. For example, perhaps you're starting with windows in the living room. One by one, open the windows in that room, then move on to the next room. Open those windows one by one, then the next room, and the next room. I'm gonna give you a few seconds to finish opening all the windows. Once all the windows in your childhood home are open, I now want you to close them in the opposite order in which you opened them. Close them one by one, taking note of each of the rooms you enter as you do so. As you enter each room to close windows, I want you to make sure that you turn your head and look around the room. Once all the windows are closed again, I want you to walk to the front door, exit, shut the front door behind you, and stand facing the entrance to the home, just like you did in the beginning. And let me know once you've shut your front door. Okay, I shut my front door. Okay, open your eyes. So now I have some questions for you. While you were walking through the house, Did you see anybody? There was no one there. No one there? Okay. So Natalia says that she didn't see anybody. If you at home saw somebody while you were walking through your childhood home, ask yourself now, who did you see? Was it someone you knew or was it a stranger? According to this Japanese urban legend, if you didn't see anybody, then your Reikon or sixth sense isn't very strong and you probably can't see ghosts. If you saw people in the house, then your Reikon is a little stronger and you can most likely see ghosts. If the people you saw were people you knew, such as friends or family, and they looked normal, then this is a good sign you probably are surrounded by positive spirits. If the people you saw had their backs turned to you, however, or looked strange, then that is considered a bad omen.
2: The only reason that I didn't imagine people is because no one told me to imagine people because my baseline is just that it's empty. But that's the whole idea. That's the whole idea. If you're someone who is just constantly surrounded by strangers or things, you don't even think about it. You're just like, (laughs) put me anywhere. There would be fucked up people everywhere. What do you
1: mean? That's weird. I saw my pet and that is like a step below seeing people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> apparently. Sick. But I didn't see any people so my Raycon is not very strong. If you saw people and those people were complete strangers to you, then your Raycon is extremely strong and you can definitely see ghosts. And if you ever run into one of those people that you saw while imagining your house in real life. I'm getting chills. Those people are not people at all. No! I... But are already dead. Oh, they got goosebumps I know, everywhere. I just myself goosebumps. <laughs> I just
2: keep imagining this like old long fingers <laughs> touching my <like that. laughs>
1: Now we're gonna do test number two. I'm fucking shook right now. Yeah, okay. So test number two, the English translation, is the dinner test. Natalia, I want you to picture what you ate for dinner last night. Well, now I'm (laughs) trying to have the rake on. Picture last night's dinner in general. Just in general, picture last night's dinner. the pieces are floating around. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you a few more seconds to Mm. remember what you ate and picture it. Mm. When you picture last night's dinner, Do you see the food on a plate in front of you?
2: Are you kidding? You think I eat off of plates? It's a Caesar salad in the plastic container that I got it from on top of the bag that I picked it up from with plastic. Everything is like a sad person who works in an office, except it's just on my free will. I choose (laughs) to eat like
1: that. So you're picturing like you're looking down, you're looking at this salad. Yeah. Or do you see yourself in the third person with the food like you are omnisciently looking at yourself eating the salad?
2: Well, I feel like the person who knows the Raycon is going to be the second
1: one. You would be (laughs) correct. So if you see the food on the plate in front of you, your brain may not be naturally wired to see ghosts. If you picture yourself in the third person with your dinner, then your brain is more open to seeing spirits.
2: Both of these tests are if your fucking imagination is fucked up, you're open to seeing ghosts. Or if
1: you're very imaginative. I, I pictured just looking down and seeing the food. Because that's how it is. It's- but they also say if you can't remember what you ate for dinner at all. Ghost. Yeah. You have a uh, strong Raycon. Hmm. Hmm.
2: I Okay. Well, then when my stress levels are super high, I think my Raycon yeah. is super high. Hey,
1: that's actually, I mean, it doesn't say that in the test. So I don't want to add on to Japanese folklore. But I feel like that makes a lot of sense. Because when you're really stressed out, then your defenses are st- sort of down right vibrating at a really high energy and so maybe you're more susceptible i'll sometimes
2: see myself in the third person when i'm reimagining some really Mm -hmm. embarrassing stupid shit i did so there you go that could work (laughs) this time when i was on the bus i had to have been in like elementary school or something and i stood up my skirt went into my backpack i walked off the bus and i walked all the way home and when i got home i realized that my butt cheek was showing oh Oh, my god
1: (laughs) and you replay that over and over it was just over and over yeah and i can smell the bus Brown seats and like the seatbelts <laughs> that no one uses. That's a haunted memory for sure. <laughs> so, there is another test, and Audrey actually told it to me last month without even realizing that it goes along no. with this. God, haunted. Haunted. Okay, close your eyes. Imagine if a- you see
2: the eyelids. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> just imagine an apple in your mind's eye. All right. It's in a black room and it's just floating there. Spin the apple, look at every single side of the apple. Now, I want you to spin it so that the bottom side of the apple is facing you now mm-hmm. spin it so that the stem is facing you now cut the apple in half now open your eyes were you able to picture all of that yeah okay so audrey shared with me that she can't do that what do you mean you can't
2: like what What? what? she
1: can't she can't what does she do see Uh, she just can't. She can't imagine spinning an apple and looking at the bottom and looking at the top. There's no way that she hasn't actually done that in her real
2: life. Can't she just like remember the memory?
1: So there's right brain and left brain. And one is more creative and dreamy, quote unquote, where you're really good at imagining things and visualizing things that aren't actually happening. And then uh, the other side of the brain is more like logical and It's very like tactile and it's stuff that you can physically see that you are actually doing in front of you, like things that you are touching, like mathematic. And so if you are someone who is not very in touch with the imaginative or visualization side of your brain, according to this folklore, then that means you are less susceptible to seeing ghosts.
2: Sitting there and I'm like, okay, I can't, like that's physically impossible to not be able to imagine. But I'm like thinking about it and I'm like, do you know what an integer is? Yeah,
1: yeah, right? (laughs) Everyone that's listening to this right now please drop in the soundcloud comments if you are able to do some of these or what your answers are
2: if you can't spin the apple but like you can calculate us how to make much money like please
1: (laughs) share your secret. yeah this is test number three you
2: know that weird feeling where you feel like something's gonna touch your neck you want
1: to know why it's because the lights aren't on promise me
2: that when i'm closing my eyes imagining that steve's not gonna like come up behind me and jump scare me oh
1: he has no idea what's going on right now
2: Because I keep thinking this entire time it's just a setup for, like, the scarer that, like, I shit my pants. Bold of you to assume
1: that Steve and I plan (laughs) out. pranks. So (laughs) test number three, you don't have to close your eyes. Okay, I won't. (laughs) (laughs) This is called the hand clasp test. Without thinking about it, quickly clasp your hands together as if you're praying, interlocking your fingers. Just do it as fast as you can. Did it. Okay, lift your hands up so that I can see them. Which index finger, a.k.a. pointer finger, is on top or closest to you? My left. Me too. So if the left index finger is on top of the right or is closest to you, then that means that you use the right side of your brain more. People whose right side of the brain is more dominant tend to be more creative and dreamy, quote unquote, making them more open and susceptible to seeing spirits. If your right finger is on top of your left finger, then you are more logical and using the left side of your brain. Ooh, I'm going to use this to find a boyfriend. Like, I'm yeah. going to go <laughs>
2: on the bus and look at all these people sitting with their hands clasped. All right, left index finger on top. Get out of here. <laughs> I'm going to say something
1: controversial right now. No. Ooh, am
2: I going to get reprimanded? No, no,
1: no, no. no. Oh. I'm not saying anything against left-handed people. However, weirdest person that I ever dated was left-handed. I
2: thought left-handed people are supposed to be more creative.
1: I don't know. I feel like... Because
2: you use the right side of your brain. I know this because my brother is Mm left-handed and he he is weird, but... (laughs) Your brother's very logical, though. He's super logical. He's an attorney, but this drawing in fourth grade that like <laughs> got put in the newspaper really yeah and my mom framed wow, it it's, Nick. So, it's so annoying but like, you're
1: the artist of the family
2: exactly how could <laughs> he do that to me
1: dude that's i relate <laughs> I relate so now that we've taken some tests to determine whether or not according to japanese folklore we can see ghosts let's talk a little bit about ghosts in japan in Japan. Real estate is in high demand in the more populous cities, and rental properties are often very expensive. However, some renters have found a way to save money by renting Jico, buchan
2: <laughs> That's 100% wrong. Yeah,
1: or black property, quote unquote, stigmatized properties or incident homes. <laughs> this
2: is a haunted house.
1: Jikobuken is actually a classification of a home that meets the following criteria according to Japanese law. So this is something that is in Japanese real estate law. If
2: there's a little girl that lives in the attic. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Jikobuken is a property where murder or suicide occurred or, in some cases, natural death if the body was not found for a long time. Also, a property near a graveyard or crematorium can also be made by or on top of ground once owned by a cult. No. Ooh. Yes. Like a, a church? No, like a cult. No. Isn't a church a cult? No. Like, what, what do
0: they mean, a
2: cult? Because no. they're not talking about organized religion. I mean, for it to be in the law means that it happens all the time. It would, it would be time. like
1: sacrifice. Someone that's sacrificing humans or... Oh, so scary. Yeah. Or maybe like a murderer that has a following. I'm really scared right now. I know. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Why is it so dark in here? Okay. Japanese people are... It's not, I wouldn't call it superstition. I would just say it's ingrained in the culture. Ghosts are a real thing. And it's not always a negative thing. It's, you know, there's just spirits and vibes. Being haunted is like bad luck and it follows you everywhere. Having good luck, which is
2: really important in a lot of Asian cultures, is keeping the bad luck off of you.
1: Most of these places offer reduced rent because they know that people are going to associate something bad or negative or a murder or suicide. They're like, you're poor. You're already getting all the bad (laughs) luck. Here's some more. So they offer them at a reduced rent. The... A uh, homeowner or the real estate company only has to uh, inform the very next tenant after the incident happens, mm. and then they can just not tell anybody so for the rest of the time. You could be like
2: ten tenants in, and you're in the geo book, and you don't even <laughs> realize <laughs> it. You're taking a shower, and there's a fist in the back of your head, <laughs> and you're like, "What's going on here?" Yeah, that's true. And then you call your realtor, and you're like, "Hey, did you geo book me?" And then he goes, "No." Uh, uh, And then you just point at each other. Two Japanese people smiling, pointing at each other. And lights.
1: You got me. (laughs) So there are even websites dedicated to this where you can look up Jikobuken to rent or to stay away from. People who rent these type of places are actually mostly foreigners, hoping to find a place at a reduced rent. One of these websites is called Oshima Teru, and it's an unofficial website that lists properties or areas where someone died and the reasons and method of that death. I went on this website looks haunted to me it's in japanese so i can't read all of it oh man like this is a
2: sick place you got in the middle of shibuya how did you get this you gotta go to this website it's in <laughs> japanese and you just see how much money it is and you're like all right sign
1: me up then you have the girl from the ring living <laughs> in your bathtub you're yeah. like wait why is all the water black since you brought that up ajiko buken can also be a home or apartment that was built on a well bad oh, vibes yeah. having an empty space is Underneath bad feng shui. You, yeah that's, yeah ugh.
2: so they you're not supposed to have Anything over a hollow. If your home is built over an empty space, the energy goes into that empty space. Oh, I hate that. An empty hole is like a bad That's thing.
1: Yeah. Then I have a quote from the president of a Japanese real estate company in Tokyo. His name is Saiichiro Ichiro Ishimaru. Japanese people hate Jiko Buken. It's a ghost problem. And in 2015, his company rented out an apartment where a suicide had recently taken place, and they offered a 30% discount on rent. Apparently, murders are considered the worst of the worst. Obviously. Obviously. And in those cases, rent is usually cut by 50%. So what are your thoughts on Jiko Bukin?
2: Even if you want to be skeptical about this like bad energy staying around, if you're in a property that drives somebody to suicide, that's not like a place that's comfortable. It's like a shitty property. You're in the city and everything's loud. Windows don't close all the way. There's a train nearby. It's like rattling. So you're like on edge all the time. You have to wonder did the chicken or the egg come first? Because you have these people who are super depressed and are they picking places that are naturally more depressing, less lights getting That's through, true too. you know, where the their their sleep schedule is messed up, or they're just like, it doesn't matter if I have to walk up fifty stairs and then, you know, well, five
1: months later I'm real pissed off and sad and I don't know why. Or also could it be Raycon. Maybe some people can live there because they have no Raycon and so they're not mm. susceptible to the spirits that are haunting that house. Yeah. But if you're someone who has a really strong Raycon and you're really uh, susceptible and open to seeing spirits, maybe it's not a good idea for you to stay There's there. like
2: apples spinning all around yeah. you and you can't see them.
1: Now on to the main story of this podcast, which takes place in what is now considered an incident house or Jiko I'm Bukan.
2: literally so happy that you chose this story.
1: This story is called The Last Crime of the 20th Century. This is the name that the Ooh, Japanese media on, dubbed
2: on it. On 2000, the New Year's?
1: Yes. In Japan. <gasps> I'm psychic. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not quite what you're thinking. My because Ryoku is through the roof. Raycon. My Raycon. Raycon is through the <laughs> roof. In the United States, we celebrated Y2K mm-hmm. uh, on December 31st, 1999, at midnight when it became 2000. In Japan, they celebrated the turn of the century on. December 31st, 2000 because 2001 in their calendar was the turn of the century. Oh, so a year
2: later? Yeah, so wait, one year so, later. Hold on. You're telling me that Japan has literally been a year younger than us?
1: No, we're all on the same
2: year. So when we were at 0, they were at like negative 0? Yeah. I don't know. I didn't
1: look into it very yeah. closely. But Yeah, see?
2: I'm investigative.
1: <laughs> investigated. I just like to picture you drunk on this podcast. No I'm sober No, I know I know There were a few people on Reddit who translated And one of the users You slash surprise bitch uh, tra- <laughs> <laughs> Compiled all, all of the translations Into a couple of posts The story we'll be talking about during this episode Occurred on the night of December 30th 2000 As the Miyazawa family Was enjoying a night at home The day before New Year's Eve And in Japan New Year's Eve it's, It holds a lot of significance Significance, cultural significance, religious significance. And at least in the U.S., I mean, we sort of treat New Year's as an excuse to get drunk or like an excuse to make up uh, a resolution. But in Japan, it really is a big deal. The fact that an incident occurred around this time is especially haunted and like cursed. Mm-hmm. So the Miyazawa family consisted of four members, 44-year-old Mikio Miyazawa, mm-hmm. his 41-year-old wife, Yasuko, and their two children, Naina, who is eight years old, and she's a girl, and Ray, a six-year-old little boy. And then I have a picture of them to show you. Don't oh they God, look so,
2: so cute! I, I love Japanese people. <laughs> okay, am I allowed to say that? Yeah, I think you're allowed to say that. I love Japanese people. I want to be one. <laughs> Everyone has bangs that come down, like, perfectly straight across. Like, it's just, I yeah, wish I could
1: do that. Ageless. So, the patriarch of the household, Mikio, the dad, works for Interbrand, a company that's still around today. They are a global division of Omnicom that specializes in areas like brand analytics, brand valuation, corporate design, and digital brand management. Interbrand has 24 offices in 17 countries. And we are not sure what Mikio's job was, but it was pretty high up. He was able to work from home. So he would see clients in his house, and he had an entire area dedicated to seeing clients and attending to them. Okay. So the matriarch of the household, Yasuko, was a school teacher. I did read one article that said that she had started some sort of school. I don't know how true that is because I could only find it in one article, but every consensus was that she was very kind. She was very patient. She was a good teacher. And then their daughter, Naina, her interests were ballet, soccer, piano, And then their son, Ray, was only six. So there's not like a ton of info on him. He was dealing with a speech impediment during this time and that the family was really stressed out about it and had just begun paying for him to get speech therapy from a professional. Mm. So a good family, right? It's it's just like the quintessential nuclear Japanese family, hardworking, Mm -hmm. family oriented. And they lived in a neighborhood that was described as almost completely abandoned by the time that this story takes place (laughs) wait what so they had first moved into this house in the 1990s and the neighborhood consisted of 200 families at that time and this was considered an up-and-coming housing development project but now in the year 2000 when this story takes place there are just four families living in this neighborhood so it's basically a ghost town why and these four families are the Miyazawa family And then next door to the Miyazawa family is Yasuko's sister, her mom, and her sister's husband. And then the only other two families living in this neighborhood are just two random families living in houses down the street.
2: Their family lives right next to her family.
1: Yes, correct. Okay. This neighborhood was located in the Setagaya Ward in the prefecture of Tokyo, Japan. And the reason why this is kind of a ghost town is because the city had decided to expand a skate park that was next door to them. So the skate park had apparently been causing all kinds of problems for the neighborhood. Like skateboarding? Uh, Yeah, skateboarding park. And it butted up to the back of the Miyazawa family home. Right behind their house is a iron fence mm-hmm. and then this big skate park. The city had decided that they were going to expand it. Everyone was just moving out in droves. So.
2: This neighborhood, let's call it, of Mm -hmm. literally 200 families, families, Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, the skate park is bad. Let's all move. And this family that we're talking about lives right next to ground zero bad. And they're just like, oh, we're not going to leave.
1: So actually, they had been planning on moving. And so uh, they had already lined something up. And in a couple of months into the new year in 2001, they were supposed to be moving to a brand new house. How bad can a skate
2: park be? Well, I'll tell you. Uproots and. 97 well family, i think i think six part, of,
1: part of the reason why people were moving was because probably if they were going to expand the skate park the I mean, value
2: of the houses goes down well
1: the value of the homes might go down or they might need to use the plots of land that the houses are on in order to expand the skate park how
2: fucking rich is this skate park i need to know the facts about this right now i'm picturing like a golden skate park
1: i believe it's still there
2: aren't skate parks free where are they getting this money from it's a park Taxes. I don't know how Japan works.
1: Okay. So, this skate park had been causing the Miyazawa family a bunch of problems. It attracted noisy teenagers, skateboarders, obviously, and even a couple of alleged biker gangs that were in the area. So, this skate park was such a problem that all of the other neighbors who had remained in the neighborhood had moved out by the year 2000, except for the four previously mentioned families. So, I want you to picture this skate park. It's just running rampant with teenagers, <laughs> y- like young adults. And there are gangs there. There's drug (laughs) transactions there. There's people being noisy at all hours of day and night. This is like
2: where all the bad kids of Tokyo come.
1: Uh, Everything that I could find while researching their house is that it's kind of a complicated layout. Yasuko and her family were living on one side of this duplex. And then on the other side of the duplex was her sister, her mom, and her sister's husband but you can't enter between it's them it's basically a house that's been split in two and so the skate park was located like i said directly behind the miyazawa family home separated only by an iron fence this caused a lot of foot traffic directly behind the home and neighbors reported seeing mikio reprimanding teenagers on more than one occasion for crossing onto his property line for littering and for making too much noise so the ground floor of the home consisted of one huge room And that huge room was used for the kids as a play slash study room. It was also used for Mikio's work room. And it was also used as an area for him to uh, meet with and attend to clients since he worked from home. And the family's computer was also located in this room. And Mikio was also known to store yen in cash in this room. Mikio, what are you doing (laughs) on the side? A lot of places in Japan are cash only. So maybe that's why he stored a bunch of cash this room so this first level room also had a bathroom which was located next to the stairway that led up to the second floor okay as you go up the stairway to the second floor there's also another bathroom that's kind of located on the stairway no wonder this place is haunted (laughs) that bathroom on that second level stairway has a window facing the skate park okay And also on the second floor, you'll find the family's living room, a bedroom, Mm -hmm. and a kitchen. The third floor is actually more of a loft. They have a retractable ladder. And so when you go up that ladder, you just see a loft that has a bed and a television.
2: I know that's where all the bad stuff happens. You don't even have to tell me the story. I already know.
1: (laughs) Okay, so several strange things happened to the Miyazawa family towards the end of December 2000. On December 25th, 2000, Yasuko had mentioned to her father-in-law that someone else's car was being repeatedly parked in front of their house and that she was bothered by it. She said she thought it must be the people using the skate park, but she didn't know why the car would be parking in front of her house since the skate park had its own parking area and parking in front of her house would mean that they would have to cut through her property line and hop over that huge Mm -hmm. iron fence to get to the skate park. It's much easier to just park on the side with the skate park. Then on December 27th, two days later, uh, neighbors describe seeing a man in his 40s wandering around the house. And then on December 29th, uh, a suspicious young man was seen near Se- Sejag Akuenmai Station about an hour from the Miyazawa's house, wearing light clothing despite the cold weather and carrying a very small backpack. This man apparently entered the station and bought a single sashimi knife. On December 30th, the same suspicious man was seen near Sengawa Station about a mile from the Miyazawa home in the early evening. He was described as being between 35 to 40 years old. The evening of December thirtieth, 2000, at around 6 to 6.45 p.m., a witness sees the Miyazawa shopping at Seijoga Kuenma Station, so the same place where that guy bought that sashimi knife. Mm -hmm. And we know the family arrived home at or before 7 p.m. that same evening, because at 7 p.m., Yasuko called her mother, who lived next door in that duplex. And the conversation was apparently about Naina, her daughter, uh, wanting to go over and visit with her grandmother. And according to her grandmother and according to computer records, Naina went next door and used her grandma's computer to watch a recorded TV program until 9.38 p.m. Then she went back home. At around 10.38 to 10.45 p.m., Mikio received a work email on the family computer. We know that he opened and read the email because it required a password to open it and the password was correctly entered. And this is something that only Mikio would have known because you needed special clearance from the company to have this password to open work emails. Mm -hmm. A neighbor on a walk behind the house would later tell police that he heard what sounded like two people shouting at each other a little after 10 p.m. coming from the Miyazawa house. And that he assumed that it was just a couple having an argument because he thought he heard a woman's voice and a man's voice. Around 11 p.m., Yasuko's mother was still up watching TV with her daughter and son-in-law. And she reports hearing a loud thump at this time, but didn't think anything of it and continued watching television. The next morning, Yasuko's mother, so now we're on the 31st, December 31st, 2000. Yasuko's mother tried calling her daughter to ask about her plans for the day since they would be getting ready to celebrate the new year together that night. To her surprise, not only does Yusuko not answer the phone, but the phone doesn't even ring. She goes next door to knock on the door. Nobody answers. She lets herself into the house and calls out into the home. Anybody home? Nobody answers. She continues into the home and at the foot of the stairs leading up to the second floor, she finds Mikio's lifeless body covered in blood. He had been stabbed in the neck repeatedly with a knife. She made her way up the stairs onto the second floor. Oh my God, I would not go in. Are you kidding me? Well, this is her family, though. She needs to see if everyone's okay. Clearly, they're not okay. Yeah, well, but she's only seen Mikio so far. So she makes her way up the stairs. Steps if this bitch over... goes in
2: that fucking crawl space, I'm going to lose it.
1: <laughs> so she goes up the stairs, steps over Mikio's lifeless body. Oh, my God. And walks up to the second floor. She pokes her head into her grandson's bedroom and sees something in the bed. She gets closer And to her relief, she sees six-year-old Ray, who appears to be sleeping. When she tries to wake him up, though, he doesn't awaken, and she sees purple bruises around his neck.
2: Why did you do that? Why? (laughs) Why didn't you just say he was dead? Why would you do that? It's so evil.
1: He has been strangled. She continues towards the loft level, as that is where her daughter... And granddaughter used to sleep together at night. And at the foot of the retractable ladder leading up to the loft, she finds her daughter and granddaughter in a tangled, bloody heap. She puts her hands on them to feel for a pulse, but finds nothing.
2: She better not go up in there.
1: She notes that they have even more stab wounds all <laughs> she over their body not go in there. than Mikio did. I'm covering my face right now. So at this point, she turns around. Good. Good. And runs downstairs and tries to call the police from the telephone in her daughter's house. That's when she realizes that all the lines have been cut. What? Like, I would be
2: out of that house so fast. I would be like, there's a murderer (laughs) here. Are you kidding me?
1: And so she realizes she can't call from her daughter's uh, house phone because the lines have been cut. And that explains why when she tried to call earlier, it wouldn't even ring. So she runs back around to her side of the duplex and calls the police. When the police get there, they are overcome with the amount of blood and violence that they see before them. They are able to determine what was used as the murder weapon. Is it the sashimi knife? So they find a sashimi knife downstairs next to the body of Mikio. And this sashimi knife is broken. So that means the force with which the murderer had to stab Mikio was so great that he actually broke the sashimi knife. Yeah, and they're so sharp. Yeah, they're very, very sharp, strong knives. And then they find the second murder weapon. The second murder weapon is a knife that was owned by the Miyasawa family. They discover that the bathroom window that faces the skate park that I was telling you about earlier was opened and that the screen had been pushed off and fallen inside. Footprints from the criminal were found below the window as well as broken tree branches just below it. The killer apparently climbed the chain link fence beneath the window and gained entry there, knocking off small tree branches in the process. The killer quietly made his way to the bedroom of the son, six-year-old Ray, and strangled him to death in his sleep. Mikio, who had been in the study working on the first floor of the house, as we know from his computer records, heard a noise and made his way upstairs to see what was going on. That's where he encountered the invader. The man had brought a sashimi knife with him, the same one that they find downstairs, and it was a knife with a very long, thin, sharp blade. The killer and the father fought on the staircase, and the killer damaged the knife and broke it in the process. Mikio isn't just covered in his own blood. He actually has some droplets of somebody else's blood, and that blood does not match anyone in the family. Mikio, during that struggle, had managed to also injure the attacker. Mm Mm-hmm. The killer then made his way upstairs to the loft where Yasuko and Na'ina were sleeping together watching TV. And he tried to use the broken sashimi knife to kill them, but was unable to because it was so badly broken. So he's stabbing at them, but they're not dying. And so he leaves and he goes downstairs. And drops the knife near Mikio's body. And that's where he picks up the second knife, which is something that he just finds in the Miyazawa's house. And then he goes back up to the loft. And at this point, the police think that the mom and daughter thought that he had left. And so they, uh, the police find, and this is so sad to me, the police find an open first aid kit
2: hmm. in
1: that loft. And it's covered in Naina's blood. Her mom was trying to stop the bleeding before going down to call the police. The guy didn't leave. So he came back up with the second knife and finished the job. Why? Like, this just seems like such a random... Why? I'll tell you what's even more random is that what would you do after committing such a heinous crime? You would probably leave. Dude, I
2: know he's in that crawl space. I know he's there.
1: So instead of leaving... I know he's there! So instead of leaving, police realize that the man actually stayed in the house probably until anywhere between 3 to 5 a.m. the next day before leaving. The man took a nap on the family's couch. Oh my god. Then he went into their refrigerator and ate ice cream pops. How do they know this? Because he left behind... So much physical evidence. He took the wrappers from the pops and threw them into the bathtub. Then he took a bunch of Mikio's company papers and receipts and threw those in the bathtub as well. Then he went around the house and gathered every single family member's identification and any credit cards that he could find and he lined them up in the living room. Then he went over to the family computer and only went on websites that the family had bookmarked. So he went... He's like trying to figure out who they are? So he went and he clicked on every single bookmark that they had. And so the bookmarks that they had were information about Mikio's job, like his company website. Then he went on Yasuko's uh, company website, the school that she worked at, and browsed around on that for a while. And he even clicked on... A bookmark that Mikio had bookmarked because he was a huge fan of plays and animations and short films. He had bookmarked something along those lines and the killer tried to buy two tickets to whatever he had booked but was unsuccessful in booking those two tickets. He apparently tried to book it with one of the credit cards of the family.
2: Is this just someone who, like, is just trying to take over their life? Where is this, where's the ghost coming in? This is a ghost story or is this about the haunted property?
1: Yeah, you don't know yet because I haven't finished telling you yet. Well, so far it's just a real sad story (laughs) about a guy that murders the family. The police also note that the knifings of the female victims was much more intense than that of the male victims, suggesting that he treats victims differently based on sex. He also continued to stab Naina's body and Yasuko's body well beyond the point of death. Based on their stomach contents, the time of the family's death was placed at around 11.30 p.m. During the attack, the murderer was injured at some point, and his blood uh, was found on bandages at the scene. His blood was also found on feminine products, a.k.a. pads. Mm-hmm. And he threw those pads into the bathtub, along with all the receipts and the company documents and the ice cream wrappers. He's just throwing Maybe a bunch of trash. he was
2: so dumb that he was thinking he was going to, like, burn it or something. And then
1: forgot. That's a good hypothesis. So, yeah, so there's evidence that he used feminine hygiene products to wipe up his blood, which to me is just, like, stupid. Why would you not just grab a dish towel? And then a perfect fingerprint of his was found on a towel and we don't know if it was a paper towel or if it was a bath towel but he left a perfect fingerprint on it.
2: Who is it? Tell me who it is.
1: So after the killing the family he made himself at home, banished himself up in the kitchen, opened the fridge, helped himself to a bunch of contents. Maybe he's gonna go to a play. Ate ice cream, drank 10 cans of soda. (laughs) 10 cans? Drank 10 cans of soda. Then he ate some melon, drank barley tea, uh, ate more ice cream, wandered around the home, discarded two wrappers in the kitchen trash can, uh, ended up in Mikio's study where he discarded two more wrappers, went over to the bathroom and discarded some more wrappers in so the he tub. Ate all of the ice cream pops? Basically. Goes through some of Mikio's personal documents, sits down and logs into the computer. He visited all those sites I told you about, attempted to buy tickets to a show. Then again, sometime in the morning, he used the computer again for four minutes in 16 seconds this dude was just chilling in their house Mm -hmm. he then killed the power to the computer by pulling out the cord the power cord was not found at the scene of the crime so he took the power cord with him uh, and his fingerprints were not found on the keyboard or the mouse so he took the time to wipe his fingerprints off of the keyboard and the mouse but then left all of this physical evidence all around the house Mm -hmm. and then guess what he did next he took a fat shit and didn't flush it that's a serious sign of a cereal, like a... Like someone is like fucked up in the brain. So they extract the fecal matter from the toilet and go through it and realize what the man ate for dinner he, before coming to the house. So oh before God, coming to the it? house, the man ate sesame spinach. And this dish is apparently a traditionally homemade meal in Japan, which leads the police to think that this man lives with his mom. What? I just... I'm like
2: trying not even to interrupt you with like tidbits or things that I'm thinking of because I'm
1: just like, I need more information. So he also took some money from the home. He only took $1,000 and Mikio was storing thousands of dollars there. The police think that he either left through the front door or he went back out the second story window because at first Yasuko's mother thinks that the door was unlocked when she got there. But then upon further recollection, she says she really can't remember. And who can blame her? Like I would have Mm -hmm. PTSD after finding my entire family murdered. And then the police also find a red fluorescent material kind of scattered throughout the house. And this led a lot of people on the internet to think that It was a material that was found in methamphetamine. Finally, in 2015, the police came out and said, no, this has nothing to do with meth. It was actually red highlighter from Naina's coloring highlighters. Also found in the home was the entire outfit that the killer had been wearing. He took off all of his clothes and left the stuff there. So the stuff that he left...
2: Was the exact outfit he was seen in buying the sashimi night.
1: Yes. So here is his outfit. Like
2: looks like a stock anime character. Like in the background where like its face isn't even drawn out. Very generic.
1: Generic. It's like a baseball shirt. It's a hat that is supposedly a skateboarding hat. Then he has a black scarf on. um, A navy jacket on. Black pants. White shoes. He doesn't look like a murderer though. It looks like a kid to me. Yeah. It looks
2: like a teenager.
1: And he's estimated to be only five foot seven. I'm not sure what the average height would be anyway those clothes look like a kid
2: and the fact that he had that whole meal that was like a home cooked meal and what what grown man drinks 20 soda cans (laughs) and like a bunch of ice cream pops that's like that's like somebody who's not allowed to have that right
1: maybe it was like a gang ritual like an initiation yeah they find grip tape from a skateboard Mm -hmm. And they also find sand. People who specialize in analyzing sand are actually able to find where that sand came from from within 100 miles. Mm -hmm. And guess where that sand came from? You're never going to guess. Where? Just a few miles north of Los Angeles at a U.S. air base. Obviously, Japanese-U.S. relations have never been good. Pearl Harbor and, like, (laughs) internment camps. So this is kind of an excuse that citizens of the area latch onto and say, look, this must have been an American airman who's stationed in Tokyo, and we want the U.S. out of here, calling upon their government. Like, this is a terrible crime that happened, and the sand that was found can be traced back to this area in the U.S. Near, on a on a base, a military base. So we think that it's a U.S. airman. So that's kind of a theory that they run with for a while. This also sort of makes sense because those two handkerchiefs I mentioned had been ironed. Mm. And so the police say this it's can military. only mean one of two things. It's either the military because they encourage people to iron clothes as like a form of discipline or it's someone that lived with their mom because they had eaten this very stereotypical like soul food home home cooked meal. The other thing that they find is Cologne. So the type of cologne he was wearing, Dracar Noir by Guy LaRoche. Mm-mm, I don't know. It. It's not like a very Japanese-y thing to wear mm. is the way that the article I read states it. They literally say japanese so don't get mad at me. <laughs> the killer was actually mixed race, half East Asian and half South European. South
2: European, like Mediterranean?
1: Yes. The genotyping of his DNA reveals that he has a rare and special sequence in his genes that is present in only... Chinese, Korean, or Japanese people. Korean is the highest probability, followed by Chinese and then Japanese. So the Japanese people think that this was not a Japanese person. Could that just be because you would never want to believe that, you know, your own countrymen could do that for yeah. you? Or is it because statistically it is more likely that this person was Korean? And there was actually a book written, The Truth of the Setagaya Family Murders. Okay, well, Good. what's the truth? I need to know. The author says who he thinks committed the crime he traced it back to a korean military man who was in the area at the time but he can't reveal him by name obviously because that would be libel. and this this author or investigative journalist says that he went and found the guy which no. i don't know how true this is right because i feel like the police would have been all over this if it was true but that he went and found the guy took the guy's fingerprints and that they match up perfectly to the fingerprints that were found well, at the how crime would scene. he how, that's what i'm it. saying yeah so i don't know how maybe he followed the guy around and picked something up that he threw down and then took no. it to the crime lab no. if this investigative journalist who has None of the power that the
2: police have behind them can find this person. Why aren't the police? Is it a cover up? Like, what is this? What's going on? What are the theories?
1: There's no way it's a cover up because the investigation into the murders is among the largest in Japanese history and it has involved over 246,044 investigators who have collected over 12,545 pieces of evidence. As of 2015, 40 officers are still assigned to the case full time. And police have been able to deduce several very specific clues to the perpetrator's identity, but they haven't been able to find him. I still don't like that crawl space. I know it has some sort of significance. After 9-11 happened, because this crime happened before 9-11, countries were starting to be really diligent about collecting fingerprints of people that were visiting their countries and storing that information. Everyone was, like, so scared of terrorism after 9-11. And they were never able to match... Any visitor's fingerprints with that of the whoever committed this murder. So it's almost like this was a ghost. He just disappeared. I think that the sand in the bag sounds a lot like, I mean, he had to have some military connection. But I was also reading a theory that um, skate punks in the area used to steal things from the military base. So maybe this was, it's just a coincidence. Yeah,
2: but like there's a huge step between skate punk and murderer of five four
1: people but it did have skateboard tape inside of his fanny pack and the clothes left at the scene of the crime were like skater brand like the hat was like a skater brand i feel
2: like in southern california skateboarding culture it it doesn't really seem like a criminal thing it's kind of like oh it's like the stoner kid and the worst thing that they're doing is like skipping class and smoking weed maybe in japan skateboarding is like this punk thing is more counterculture if you have biker gangs and stuff meeting up there and all these people are moving out because there's this skate park there maybe it It must have been a big deal right uh, especially in Japanese culture they're so respectful of space and property that for people to just walk through your backyard and go through that gate I mean that's a big F you right exactly way bigger than it is here
1: and then the fact that Mikio was seen arguing with skateboarders on multiple occasions and supposedly even arguing with a member of a biker gang so some people think it was a skateboarder some people think it was a member of the gang. Um, Some people think, no, it was that 40-year-old man that they saw wandering around. And some people think that it was more than one person that committed this crime and that it was actually three people. And the reason why they think that is because after the crime occurred and the information was publicized, a taxi driver in the area called into the police station and said around that area of that neighborhood, he had picked up three middle-aged men around the time of the murder. And the reason why he remembers these men is because none of the men talked to each other at all. They were just sitting there completely still, not looking at each other in the back seat, just looking forward and when they got out of the car one of the men had left behind blood marks and so at the time he was thinking this is gross and just took it to go get cleaned but then after he heard that there had been a murder in the area he thought oh I need to report this so he reported it but they were never able to find out who those three men were because they had paid in cash the other thing is in the afternoon after the murders had happened about a couple hours north a young man in his 30s was admitted into the hospital for a severe injury on his hand. The man refused to give his name. Mm. He paid in cash. He didn't talk. And he was extremely nonchalant about his hand injury. But the hand injury was so bad that you could see part of the bone. Other people think it was just a vagrant uh, because of how nonsensical the crime is. There was so much cash there that wasn't even taken. I think it sounds like a gang
2: initiation type thing. And I think that After it happened, he's like looking to kind of see what these people were because he's like, all right, who were these people? That curiosity comes from, you already know you're going to do this task.
1: It's just so sociopathic to sleep. Like he didn't even cover the bodies up. He slept in the room, like took a nap in the room where these dead bodies are bleeding out. He was probably exhausted. He must have been like,
2: I mean, just to get ready to do something like that, I'm sure you have to be hyped up on all kinds of everything.
1: So the Miyazawa family house still stands today, but is considered so haunted that no amount of rental or sale price discount could entice people to purchase or rent it. Today, it is boarded up, fenced off. And has three stories of tarp shielding it from public view. As of 2017, a policeman was stationed outside the house at all hours of the day to ensure that nobody entered the home. Why make sure no one goes in there? Because it has such bad vibes now. And that is the story of the Miyazawa family murders. I'd hate to be that cop. It's like, really, I have to do this haunted thing? Yeah, like, I don't (laughs) want to be here. Yeah. The grandma is still alive. Does she live there? She doesn't live there anymore. At the time of this article, she was still alive and heading a victim's family campaign with other similar unsolved murder cases. They had campaigned successfully for the Japanese government to overturn the law that let robbery, killing, and murder become non-punishable if it remains unsolved for 25 years. So they were able to overturn that. I wonder what that house...
2: If they were to like dig underneath it or something, if there would be like a creepy well. I, I mean, this guy's this probably means this person's still alive and just
1: regular. Well, what I'm hoping is that they end up doing familial DNA testing I know. because that's what we're doing now in the U.S. and finding all these people. It's how we found the Golden State Killer after f- fucking forever. They're probably know now
2: like, oh, I can't go back to Japan, or if I fly, like I can't fly, like. Uh, They have to be very careful with their identity. Or he's
1: dead. Or he was a ghost. But that house is now considered Jiko Buchan. Let me ask you. I know that
2: right now you and Steve are trying to save up, maybe get a home in the future. Mm -hmm. If your dream house, okay, oh let's, let's- I know what
1: you're going to ask me.
2: <laughs> if your dream house was a geobukan, would you take it? What kind of geobucan?
1: If it was on top of a well, I would take it because I don't believe that wells are bad luck.
2: What if someone died there of
1: natural causes? I would, I would take the home.
2: What if someone died there of natural causes and they were buried in the
1: backyard? No, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> fuck
2: no. Okay, what if somebody lived there and then they died in the hospital- While they were living there. Yeah, that's fine. What if a crazy (laughs) (laughs) psychopath lived there and was like playing the piano passionately at like (laughs) three o'clock in the morning and like, like rubbing their shoulders, like up against the walls, like, like that story, like the girl in the wallpaper and just being a fucking absolutely nuts, but moved out.
1: Are they dead now? No one knows. No. If they're still alive, I wouldn't take it because I wouldn't trust them to not come back. Okay.
2: They died, but not in the house, in their next house. Okay, then I'd take it.
1: In the crazy house? Yeah, because I would just repaint everything. I would tear down walls. (laughs) I would feng shui the shit out of it. You
2: move into this house, and you're like, this house is awesome. There's, like, six bedrooms, six bathrooms. There's a pool. There's a a horse stable in the back. Like, this is amazing. And then you go up in the crawl space, and it's, like, all mirrors, like, all around it. And, like, splattered, like, pentagrams and, like, chicken legs hanging.
1: I don't need that in my life. I would move on. So if they were selling it for like 200,000, then yeah, I'd buy it and I'd fucking flip it and I'd make a ton of money and I w- would use that loophole in the Buchan law that says you only have to inform the next tenant cuz the next tenant was me. No. So now I wouldn't tell the tenant after me and I would flip it and I would sell it. Okay, how
2: about this? It's a normal good house. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone lived there was happy. Everything's good. But you're in there at night and like are oh, you yeah, the trees or start talking to you
1: <laughs> i think i would i would get on medication at that you point You the house do you believe houses can be haunted like an actual place man i don't know i've never personally seen a ghost or had a, like a ghost experience but i do definitely think that there is some truth to like karma and bad vibes and like if something really evil happens somewhere I do think that sometimes you can feel it. Now, is that a placebo effect because you already know that something bad happened there? Uh, So then you're more likely to attract bad things. But like attracts like, you know, if you go through your whole life really negative, then only negative things will happen to you. And so if you're living in this haunted house, knowing that it's a haunted house, expecting it to be haunted, Mm -hmm. then I do think that that would attract bad stuff to happen to you. So if you're someone who's really like sensitive to stuff like that, which to some extent I think I am, I would not trust myself to know what's real and what's not. And I might trick myself into thinking that there is something bad happening because because I know that it's bad. You know what I mean? I always like when I was a little girl,
2: we would go to church every like weekend because mm-hmm. my parents were religious. Yes. Yeah, and I always thought the church was like an empty church was like the most scary thing. Like after everyone would leave. Oh, that's interesting. The room yeah. where the sermon was. I don't even know what you call that like where all the pews are like the church mm-hmm. when everyone was out of there i was always like get me the fuck out of here and it wasn't even like you know like a cool church with like 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 catholic churches look cool they've got like statues and like weird like dracula like the ornaments <laughs> i don't know everywhere like candles yeah. and stuff like these were just like a normal house you know pretty much with just like white paint on the walls like you're just your normal struggling <laughs> church of oklahoma I just always thought, thought churches were really creepy and haunted. I don't
1: ever remember thinking that church was creepy, but I don't ever remember being there by myself.
2: My childhood and now into part of my adulthood, lifehood too, whatever you want to call it. I really don't like being alone. I think there's something yeah. about. But you
1: live alone. You love living alone.
2: I have Archer. I feel like oh, ghosts can't gotcha. come when the dog's
1: there. Yeah. Archer is very like loyal too so any strong ghosts can't happen when there's a dog there
2: like a goat like something scary only happens when you're by yourself and you're lonely
1: i feel that too though because even though winnie is so small and like a ghost could just fuck her up Mm -hmm. i i feel like she would at least alert me because animals seem to be more in tune with yeah stuff like that so i always just think if winnie's not worried then i'm not worried well so so what do we we think hauntings are real? I don't know. I, you think it was the house that made that happen? I'm mostly curious out of all the things we talked about in this story. I'm mostly curious to hear everybody's thoughts on the Raycon ghost test. I want to know who saw people in the house. I want to know who can't see an apple spinning. <laughs> we I, already know. It blows my mind. Yeah. Some people are good at left brain stuff and some are good at right brain stuff. I wish I was good at any brain stuff, but uh, here wanna, we are. <laughs> <I wanna. laughs> For me, when I was reading these different ghost tests, I was so enthralled and I was like, I'm totally going to be able to see ghosts. And then it makes so much sense that I bar- like barely passed one test.
2: My ghost test is like, do you play the piano at four o'clock in the morning?
1: <laughs> do you rub your body against wallpaper and then become the wallpaper? When you're washing your
2: face, do you keep your eyes open? <laughs>
1: oh my god, that is psychopathic. I had oh god, okay, never mind. I I thought of my worst. I was trying to think of. Remember when you were talking to me about like. What's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you? Because you were going on that podcast to talk about your most oh, embarrassing yeah. moment. I figured out what my most embarrassing moment is, what and it is was it? something I'd buried deep down inside. <laughs> nope, never going to say it out loud on on a recording. <laughs> so why did you bring it up? Because I thought of it. So oh, yeah, and now that, that
2: and it's haunting me. Yeah, exactly. Experiences is, can haunt you for life.
1: And this is why some memories just shouldn't be recovered. They right. should be buried deep down in the crevices of your mind, never to resurface.
2: All right, and that's another episode of <laughs> Let's,
0: Let's Get, Get Haunted. Haunted.
2: Bye, guys. Um, Venmo us. No. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, Venmo us. I'm Nat Strawn.
1: I'm Dog Mom USA. Even if it's like $1, it seriously helps. Somebody did Venmo us $1.69. No. Yeah, so and that helps. It helps. Vaccinate your kids and have a good evening.